The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. This is Philippians 4, 1 through 7. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that, that you not, not only offer us peace and rest, but you are our peace and rest. Um, so we pray that in the next few minutes that you would open our hearts and minds to how, Lord Jesus, you coming in the flesh uh, to be among us, how you living under the law in our place that you might be our performance, that we might not be performers, but we might be sons and daughters, that this reality, these realities would be the big principle that would drive every small situation and circumstance. Father, take the gospel of Jesus. Take the message of Christmas. And may it be fleshed out in our hearts and minds in very real and tangible ways. Holy Spirit, we need you this morning to teach us. We need you to calm our hearts, to take our minds off of the list of all that we have to do to get ready. Father, the pressure and uh, the comparisons that we make, wondering if we bought a good enough gift, <laughs> wondering if we've done enough, or maybe just really realizing that we haven't and we can't. Lord, I pray that you'd meet us wherever we are, and you would speak to us, and you would do so for the glory of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything, make your request to God with supplication, with prayer, with thanksgiving. Make your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all knowledge, all understanding, it surpasses all knowledge, all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you say, yeah, Paul, well, you don't know me. You don't know my life. You don't know what I'm going through. And Paul says, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you understand where I am when I pen these words? Paul was in a jail. <laughs> he is facing a death sentence. All of his freedom, his earthly freedom has been taken away, and he is in prison. 
it would seem as if he would be thinking, God, why are you imprisoning me when I have been so faithful to travel the world to preach your gospel? Why? I mean, how's the gospel going to go forward if you have me in prison? And yet, that is not his demeanor. That is not his heart. His circumstances have not grown larger than his faith in his good and loving God. And so he says from prison, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, did you hear me? Rejoice. Don't be anxious in anything, but in everything. Let your request be made known to God. You say, well, I'm sure the people, I'm sure the Philippians, I mean, you know, they were going through good times and and, and they, you know, so they could receive it. No. In chapter 1 and uh, verses 29 through 30, he describes his audience. For it's been granted to you, speaking to the Philippian believers, It's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. This is what God's given you, Philippians, not just to believe in him. He hasn't just given you salvation, but now he's given you the the task of suffering, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. And so many of the Philippians are being jailed too for their faith in Jesus. Because as Rebecca said, faith in the King of kings and the Lord of lords threatens those who think they are king. World rulers do not like Christianity because Christians have a higher authority. He even brings up two women, Yodia and Syntyche, who have been fighting, who've been quarreling. And he says, ladies... Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Don't be anxious. Don't don't worry about what you want or what you didn't get or what she said or didn't say. Rejoice in the Lord. You're the people of God. And what we see in this text is what we've been seeing throughout this series. We've been looking at how we can know peace and rest in the midst of a worn-out world. In the, in, 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 in the context of a restless world, we've been looking at how we as the people of Christ, as the body of Christ, as the church of Christ, can live as a community in Sabbath rest. How we can say our rest, our lack of anxiety, our lack of worry, our lack of hurriedness, our lack of, of frantic living, our peacefulness can be a witness to the world and that's exactly one of the primary reasons why God gave us Sabbath. That the church might be different from the world in the way we rest. How can we do that? How can we do that? Paul even said there is a way where God does not answer your prayers for changed circumstances And you still find yourself rejoicing in everything always, not being anxious in anything. You see, dear friends, the Jesus that's, the true Jesus that's offered in Scripture is not a genie, is not a personal assistant to change the circumstances of your schedule. But Jesus gives you hope, and Jesus gives you peace, and Jesus gives you rest in the midst of the worst circumstances. 
And friends, that's true freedom. That's the freedom of the gospel of Jesus. That's why Jesus came, that he might be Emmanuel near us, that we might know this kind of peace. And here's the principle. The world always goes from, I'm not at peace, so give me a method. I'm not at peace, I'm going to do yoga. I'm not at peace, I'm going to exercise more. I'm not at peace, all right, I'm going to make New Year's resolutions, and I'm going to reorder my life, and I'm going to change things around, and then I'll have peace. The world always goes, and even the church always goes, from problem to method. But the scriptures always go from problem to big principle, to big theological cosmic truth, and then to method. And if we go from problem to method, we're going to be just like the world. We'll be worn out by January 2nd. <laughs> it's not going to work. You need more than a new method. Yeah, do we need to create new habits? Absolutely. Do we need to reorder our lives? Absolutely. But you don't need to do it outside of the big theological principles. That's what we see right here in Philippians. If you go back to the first verse of chapter 4, it says, Therefore, Stand firm. Therefore, he's stand firm. Here's the okay, stand firm. There's the action. But therefore, it's in response to a big truth. Go back to the last verse of chapter three. Listen. But our citizenship is in heaven. Do you see what he's doing? He doesn't just say, Church, you're doing bad, stand firm. He says, You are restless, you you are you you are anxious, you are worried. Remember. Get, get at the 30,000-foot level and remember your citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Big theological truth. You are not a citizen of this world, so don't let the problems of this world govern you. To the small truth, therefore stand firm. Let's look at how we can apply this. And the first thing that we have to understand is that true rest and true peace is dependent on a person and not a method. True peace. If we're going to know peace in the midst of chaos, we have to understand that true peace is dependent on a person, not a method. And that's what is fleshed out here. I don't, did y'all see the... Um, uh, the five year, the story about I think a three four year old uh, little boy, I think it was in Chattanooga, who um, was left on the school bus. I don't know if y'all saw that this week. Uh, yeah, he, he was left on the school bus, and uh, the, the bus driver must have just, must have been, you know, end of the day, uh, tired, just kind of looked back, looked under the seat. Well, the kid uh, was laid out on the bench seat with his feet up, and so she couldn't see him, and she left him. And when he woke up, he panicked. Uh, when he woke up, he started crying. When he woke up, he, he did not act like Macaulay Culkin. I don't know if you saw that video, the remake. Uh, it's been going all over uh, uh, social media about, you know, Macaulay Culkin as an adult. He um, uh, comes out the door and, you know, he kind of reenacts that whole scene of waking up that morning and coming out and the parents not being there. And he's like, oh, great, you know. And he tells Alexa, his Alexa app, to start doing things for him. And, you know, he's chilled. And it was a funny video, and it was because it's so unrealistic. If a child wakes up and realizes they are alone, they panic. 
when a child realizes there is no one to protect them, there is no one around to do anything for them, they panic. Why? Because it is clear in their minds that they are a child. And what the gospel says clearly is that we must understand that we are children or we are not going to understand the, how the kingdom works, how the Christian life works. Listen to Matthew 18, 4. Jesus said this, Whoever then humbles himself as a child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Why is he the greatest? Why are we the greatest in the kingdom of heaven when we are in humility, when we are living in humility? Because hum what precedes humility is dependency. When we are prideful, and all of us are, that manifests itself in a hundred different ways. When we are prideful, we are not dependent. When we are prideful, we are not trusting one higher than us. We're saying that the way we see things, our read on circumstances, our read on life is better than. And so Jesus says, no, the one who is great in the kingdom of God is the one who says, I don't, I'm a child. I don't understand. I can't make conclusions. I have to put myself in alignment with a God who is my father. Again, here is the big principle for the small moments. The big principle for the small moments when we go to God is I don't understand, but you do. You're a good God, and you're my father, and you care for me. You, you comfort me. You love me. Dear friends, the way that we go to prayer is like a child. Why? Because we are made in the image. Here's that big principle that we got to apply to small things. We are made in the image of a God who exists in relationship. You see, God doesn't exist alone. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. When, when they redo Claiborne Temple, they are going to have plans that they follow to the exact detail. When God made you and me, he made us in his image. There was a pattern, and the pattern was one of community. That's why this little child wakes up and starts screaming and doesn't act like Macaulay Culkin as an adult, you know, saying, oh, I've got some free time and make a little breakfast. And no, why? Because instinctively, he didn't read a manual. Oh, when I'm alone, I'm in danger. He knows he's in danger because he wasn't created to be alone. That's why isolation, that's a whole other uh, sermon series, but that's why isolation kills us because we cannot escape our DNA. Our DNA is to be dependent creatures, to be dependent human beings. And that is why Paul's words Right before he tells us not to be anxious, he says this, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. Listen to Deuteronomy 4-7. Listen to, just, just hear it. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. Do you hear it? The Lord is at hand. 
We have the God of heaven and earth. Our Father is near us when we pray. What other nation is like that? Peace and rest begins with active acknowledgement that the Lord is at hand. And that's why I don't have to carry the burdens. I don't have to carry the, the problems that are on my back. I don't have to try to find solutions to everything that I face. But the Lord is at hand and I have someone to go to because he said that, that maturity is not acting like him and saying, well, God, I know you've kind of put me over here to figure it out and to show how smart and, and intellectual and powerful I am. No. He says, what I want you to do is to fall on your face before me and to realize that I am at hand. That is maturity. That's it. It's not a self-made man. It's a man who knows that he cannot make himself. But he can only find himself in God. Our souls are restless. There it is again. Our souls are restless until they find their rest in you. Do you see how that practically works out? The Lord is at hand. We see this, that it, that it takes more than just knowledge, theological knowledge, but it takes a living relationship with the living God, with the Lord who has come near, who is present with us. To be a Christian and to live in, in a state of rest. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 3, his great prayer for the Ephesians believer. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may change all your circumstances. No. So that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What Paul is saying is, is that there is something that we need more than changed circumstances. And it is a living relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ who took on our flesh, who lived and died and rose, that now we might know the living God and we might commune with him in prayer. Do you understand that if your life is prayerless and the overwhelming majority of Christians' lives are prayerless, in terms of communion, that we are not living out of the power and therefore we are not being the kind of people that God has made us to be and redeemed us to be in Christ. It's not, okay, I want to know God better so I can just, you know, kind of experience Him. No, it's know God better so that you can become the person God created you and redeemed you to be that we can be the community that God has made us to be. John Murray, an old dead theologian, said this. He said, it is necessary for us to recognize that there is an intelligent mysticism in the life of faith. In other words, John Murray, he's saying, it's more than just head knowledge of living union and communion with the exalted and ever-present Redeemer. He communes with his people and his people commune with him in conscious reciprocal love. In other words, you can experience God. The life of true faith cannot be that of cold, metallic ascent. 
It must have the passion and warmth of love and communion because communion with God is the crown and apex of true religion. Do you see that? Communion with God. Little Richard Reeves in the midst of all that, he, that, that, that makes him afraid and all the stuff that makes him feel alone and all the stuff that is, is too big for him to control can come into the presence of the living God and be comforted in reality through the communion with this living God. This is why Jesus came in the flesh. That God might come near and that we might see him as a God who is near and not far off. A God that, that doesn't say, stand firm then and, and then maybe I'll come down. But a God who said, I knew you were never going to stand firm. I knew it. That's why I came down. I came down to stand firm for you. So that now you are accepted through my standing firm. The Father loves you right now because he stood firm. And you say, oh, but I'm falling and I fall all the time. Exactly. So boast in Jesus. Boast in Jesus. Don't try to go out and stand firm in hopes that God's going to love you. Understand that Jesus stood firm for you so that you can receive the Father's love. So then you can go out and try to stand firm. You see, trying to stand firm in the love of God is different from trying to stand firm to get the love of God. One is full of guilt and shame. The other is all about freedom. I can stand up here and tell you all the ways that I'm not standing firm. Why? Because your hope and my hope is not in me standing firm, but in the reality that Jesus has stood firm. And he's my friend. And he's my savior. And he's my king. And he's my reconciliation to the Father. And he's near and he's present. He's not far off and he wants me to come and to cry out. Listen to Romans 8. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Oh, here church. So that you live in fear again and worry and anxiety and oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. Rather, here's the alternative. The spirit you received, Christian, brought about your adoption as sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, I'm home. I'm home. That's the work of the Spirit, to move your heart, your dead cold heart, to say, Daddy, I'm home, not, Daddy, watch how good I am. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children and not slaves. Do you see it? So, dear friends, the peace of prayer is preceded by a person, not a method. Do you know this living God? How long has it been since you've experienced this living God? Have you ever experienced real forgiveness? Have you? Have you ever experienced just his presence and knowing that he's smiling upon you? He's loving you. He's embracing you. Why? Because of Jesus. That Jesus' work was enough. And now you are an adopted son. I don't know if y'all saw this. I don't even know what program it was. I just had a couple of minutes and I was uh, going through the channels. And I saw a live adoption on TV on some Christmas special. It was unbelievable. I, it just caught my, it just stopped. This judge was standing there before this family. There were like five children. And they went through the whole process and this little 13, 14-year-old girl was weeping, 
Why? Because she was becoming adopted. And I said, oh, if I, if I, Richard Reeves, could appreciate my adoption like this little girl, she longed to have a father and a mother, and there they were, saying, I'm willing to pay the price to make you mine. And that's what God's done for you. This is not some, this, this is not just some, you know, Myth, or th this is not just some story to you know that makes us have you know Christmas feelings in front of the poinsettias and the Christmas lights. This is living reality, and so true peace is preceded by a person, and then secondly, peace is preceded by rejoicing in the Lord in prayer. There's the method. Once we know the person, then there is a road to Him. Here's the method. Here's the, okay, all you old Presbyterians, oh yeah, finally. Come on, let me write it down. Step one, give me the method. I knew we were going to get there. All right, here's the method. Um, but I'm going to bring the person in a little bit more too. Um, I, I can tell, I could tell when the kids were out of school, man. I, um, the last several days, I, I would go into a coffee shop or I'd go into a store and I would just hear screaming. You know, I'd hear uh, foot stomping. You know, I'd see arms crossed. And that, that, those were just the parents, you know. And then, um, no, I was in this coffee shop this week, and I saw this little three-year-old, three or four-year-old. I'm horrible with ages. He could have been 13, I don't know. But little, <laughs> little kid, I'm just making it up, um, the age. And so anyway, I'm standing there, you know, I'm trying to study. And uh, this little kid just starts screaming, ah! You know, and it, I don't know, man, a, a child scream in a coffee shop, it just, it's always bigger and bolder. And, you know, it's like everybody, everybody's kind of, you know, immediately does this, and they're like, oh, I can't look, you know. So we're all just kind of looking down, we, like we can't hear what's going on uh, two feet from us. And kids just screaming, ah, and he just starts running, and, and the mom grabs his arm and takes him outside. And in several minutes, and I wanted to go, thank you, you know, ah, oh, that's good, you know, but they come back in, and the kid is quiet. And they walk back to the table, and the kid sits down. And I thought, wow. I mean, what happened? Well, here's what happened before they went outside. The kid forgot who he was. The kid thought he was an adult. And the kid thought his will was the will. That cookie better get in my stomach right now. Or I'm going to die. And so I'm going to flail my body and I'm going to embarrass my mom and I'm going to do every, use every tool in my kit to control her. Because I have to have this cookie or I will die. And so what does the mom do? She takes him outside. Maybe she had to use a little, I don't know what she did, probably not. Not many people do that in this day. But she took him outside and she got down and she looked at him and just calmly, hey, hey, come on. Well, that kid needed to be, re his whole worldview needed to be reoriented. He needed to be reminded, you're the child, I'm your mom, and I love you. And we're not going to have a cookie right now. She didn't buy him the cookie, and I wanted to applaud that too. It was awesome. Do you know 
That's what prayer is. I hear people, why, I mean, if God already knows everything, why do I need to pray? If he's sovereign, why do I need to pray? Because you're a child. And you need to get into his presence so he can grab your face and say, look in my eyes. You have a father. You're not alone. You're my son. You're my daughter. I adopted you. I paid the price of my own son to have you right now. You can trust me. It's not about your circumstance. It's about this right here. It's about you trusting me. It's about us. That's what prayer is all about. Because when we believe that we have a good father, see Paul says, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. And thank God he didn't just stop there. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. What is he saying? He hasn't changed anything yet. What, what am I to rejoice about? You are to rejoice that there is a more powerful truth than a God who just responds to your prayer. Can he change any and every circumstances? Yes. Can he do miracles? Yes. Does he still do miracles? Yes. But that's not your hope. Your hope is not that. Your hope is here. Your hope is in a God who says, don't be anxious about anything, but come to me rejoicing that however I answer your prayer, it is good, right, perfect. Every time. Every time. Do you hear me? We can go to God in prayer in the face. And I'm not talking about, again, Paul is in prison. This seems like the end of the church. This seems like it in Philippi. Many of the believers in prison. And Paul says, rejoice because God is still on his throne. He is not sweating and wringing his hands. And he's good and he's active and you can trust him and you can rejoice. Tim Keller said this in his book on prayer. He said, most contemporary people base their inner life on their outward circumstances. Their inner peace is based on other people's valuation of them and on their social status, prosperity, and performance. Christians do this as much as anyone. That's a huge indictment, but true. Paul is teaching that for believers, it should be the other way around. Otherwise, we will be whiplashed by how things are going in the world. If Christians do not base their lives on God's steadfast love, then they will have to accept a success what others warrant to be so and to take their happiness, even their own selves, at the quotation of the day. They tremble with reason before their fate. Dear friends, you have a father. And this is what he commands us to do. As we close out this series and... and there's so many people in this room that have come up to me. Pete was one of them. We work, offices are close to each other. And uh, he thanked Michael and I and, and gave a personal testimony. And that's why we wanted you to hear it. Um, there's so many of you doing this, but so many, we've got to keep moving. We've got to keep moving in this direction of rest and Sabbath and peace. And uh, this week, um, I, I took the method of Philippians 4 and applied it in my life. And believe me, you just make that your point today and the rest of this week. That 
take every, any and every circumstance that you face and go to the Lord and say, before I do anything, I rejoice that you're my father, that you have, you know, you sent your son to, to purchase me as your son or daughter. You have my best, the, the, the greatest good in mind for my life, and you will accomplish it. it. Nothing will separate me from your love. Nothing will, will, you are going to do your will, and it is perfect. And then, on the backside, and if it pleases you. Folks, I did that in so many ways. I made a list and we don't have time to go through it all. We need a place to worship in a few months. And there are not many options downtown. That's why more churches hadn't been planted downtown, folks. There's not much space. There's only one or two options. And I feel the burden of that. And I've prayed like crazy, but I've never rejoiced. And so this week, I was like, all right, let's try this thing. God, there it is. You love me. You're not going to leave me. What am I thinking? Why am I anxious? Why am I losing sleep? Why am I... You know, it's perfect. It's good. It's pleasing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we need office space. We don't know where we're going to be in... February 1. You do. Thank you. We may be in coffee shop. That's great. You know, you're perfect. You're good. You're, we've got a huge deficit. We've never faced a deficit like this. I don't, you're great. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You meet every need. You know what we need before we even say it. You're a good, good father, and I love you. Thank you so much. And for something, you're, you're doing something in me. You're doing something in, in our church. You're, you're moving this not to defeat us, or you're using this not to defeat us, but to build us up in Christ. That friends forsake me, not invite me to things. I, I feel left out. Oh, God, I must need that. Thank you. <laughs> Do you see it? I'm telling you. When you know you've got a good father that sits on the throne of heaven and earth, there is nothing, nothing that can happen that's going to change your joy. Now, not giddy happiness, but deep abiding joy. That this is not for naught. This is not for punishment. This is not. Jesus took my punishment. And it's done. It's over. Do you hear it? Do you see it? And dear friends, I want you to experience it right now. I'm going to call our worship team up. I do have one more point, but it's really small. But I want us, I don't want, again, I could just give you this knowledge and then us walk out of here and that be it. No, I want to lead you through how to do this. And the first thing I want you to do is to get in your mind what you are facing that is keeping you up at night. What are you facing that you're burdened by? What is it? I, I, probably nine and a half out of ten will say family, Christmas. All right, no. Uh, some of you have already said that, but what is it? Seriously, what is the circumstance that you're facing that you feel completely alone in, 
completely separated from anyone else, like there's no help. What is it? What is the source of your anxiety? What is the source of your worry? What is the source, the reason why you feel like you've got to work harder, you've got to do better, you've got, what is it? What's at the root of it? Think about something. Think about the list. Start writing it down. Get out your phone. Use your notes. Whatever you have to do, get it. Get it. And then go to the Father and start thinking about how you can thank Him, how you can rejoice in that. In light of what I just said, let God take your face and remind you who you are. Close your eyes. Let's take several minutes and let's do this right now. The youngest child in here can do this. The youngest child in here to the oldest person. Go to the Lord right now. And in just a minute, the worship team's going to sing a song and let, these, let the truth of these words just wash over you as you pray.